we, we literally just landed. Uh, we, we had some issues traveling. It's not like we travel constantly, so it, it's, it's not the norm. We were landing in Atlanta from Sacramento, and then right before we landed, it, the plane did one of these. Where, I mean, you know, ready to go. Uh, and then, like, oh, okay. That, that's not, all right. And then our Atlanta to uh, Pittsburgh connection, we were diverted to uh, the beautiful city of Akron, Ohio. Yeah, it's a metroplex. Um, and, uh, and we were on the tarmac for, for an hour and a half. And, and then we just got here, you know. And, but I'm honored to be with you. It's been a while. First of all, where's Bishop? Bishop, I, you've, last time I said it, and I'm, and I'm going to repeat it, and if you weren't here eight years ago, uh, or you're not taking Prevagen, whatever. But the point is, <laughs> um, your bishop inspired my life. I'm originally from here, from Pennsylvania, from the Bethlehem-Lehigh Valley area. And, and growing up, your bishop was just one of my, continues to be one of my heroes, one of God's generals. Uh, I mean, three things about the bishop, right? He's brilliant. His cognitive bandwidth is 5G on steroids. So there are three things about Bishop Garlington. It's information, inspiration, and impartation. Right there. That describes him in, in Samuel Rodriguez's worldview. Can you help me honor this amazing man of God? A true apostle, a legitimate bishop, world changer, history maker, a spiritual father to many of us. I honor you, sir. And then... Pastor Bill may be in the building, or he may have been raptured. There he <laughs> Bless you, my friend. Again, thank you all and for having me here. This is wild. I'm going to get right here and just share the message. What was that? Who was the guy who said, I'm your... Right, meet me in the back with the book table. I have a couple things for you. And I... <laughs> I, I'm going to expedite the process here, but there is a word that, that's resonating in my spirit, because we, we are living in some cuckoo for Cocoa Puff times. <laughs> So I, I want to talk to you about Jezebel's tweet. Can you put the tweet up? Jason, can you go back? Can, can you get the team? To, there it is. <laughs> Jezebel's tweet. Hey, Elijah, in 24 hours, you will die. First Kings 19, 2. She actually declared, may the gods, plural, little g, strike me dead. If by this time tomorrow, I have not killed you as you have killed my team. That's your tweet. In 24 hours, you will die. This is right after the iconic encounter on top of Mount Carmel, this was after hashtag best day ever for Elijah. She tweets. It's a de facto. We're doing modern day 21st century contextualization for the purposes of disseminating the message. But you get it. It's 1 Kings 19.2. Hey, Elijah, you will die. You got to juxtapose that tweet with what Elijah does next as it pertains to an interactive mode. Here it is. 1 Kings 19.19. Elijah went and found Elisha plowing a field. He went over to him, threw his mantle across his shoulders and walked away. So I want to juxtapose right here Jezebel's tweet with Elijah's mantle. 
The subject matter is this. When heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. Please tell the neighbor you like the most when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. Tell your other neighbor the one you barely tolerate when heaven starts and hell cannot stop it. If I had time to break this down, I would talk to you about the plow of perseverance and the mantle of promotion. Because that's what truly takes place here. I am convinced that 1 Kings 18 and 19 and even 17 speaks to this very hour. We're living in the day, spiritually speaking, just like the days of Ahab, Jezebel, and Baal. We are. Ahab was a horrible king. He was a, what we call in California a mucho malo hombre. Jezebel was his wife and she was nasty on steroids. She hated the prophets. She persecuted preachers. She rejected the truth. Elijah, on the other hand, was God's chosen prophet, a man with the mantle. Let's break down the mantle a moment. We're going to go back to the tweet, but I want to describe this mantle. The mantle, as you well know, is demonstrative of the prophetic assignment upon the prophet. It was actually a physical indicator. People would see Elijah with this raincoat slash mantle, this cloak, and they would identify him as the lead prophet without having to Google search him with the images. The, this mantle that I'm cross-referencing is first and foremost the mantle of the spirit. First Kings 18.46, with that mantle, the power of the Lord came on Elijah. It's a spiritual reality. Now, we, we can't deny the fact that there is a spiritual battle taking place, Ephesians 6.12. The last two and a half years have been cuckoo for Cocoa Puff. Everything you could possibly imagine. You name it. I mean, the last two and a half years, from COVID to political unrest to riots, uh, you name it. Right when you think things are going to get better, all of a sudden you have inflation, gas prices. And then right when you think there's going to be a breakthrough, and then you have Chris Rock and Will Smith. <laughs> and then after you fast for a week, you have Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. There are things going on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the world is falling apart. El mundo está loco. There are real spirits alive and well. The, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well. Persecuting, prosecuting, and attempting to silence the children of the cross. Jezebel represents the manipulative, sexually coercive, perverse, corrupt cultural spirit with full intentionality to silence the prophetic voices, to construct Asherah poles in order to marginalize the oracles of righteousness and justice. It is a spirit that exploits the moments in our lives when we are exhausted. According to Revelation chapter 2, verse 20, we, even our good Christians, may be guilty of tolerating this one thing I have against you. You have tolerated the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Ahab is alive and well, robbing love, killing joy, and destroying peace. Ahab represents forces with access and authority, attempting to prompt us to sacrifice truth on the altar of expediency. By the way, the spirit of Ahab in 1 Kings 16.34, you, are, you, are you privy to the fact that Ahab was the first king who ever gave permission for the rebuilding of the walls of Jericho? You missed it. No other king ever in Israel's history would ever have the audacity of rebuilding something God brought down. Ahab comes along and says, we're going to rebuild something God brought down. Why do you think in the past few years we are seeing the reemergence 
of issues and ideologies and social constructs that have already been brought down. That's the spirit of Ahab. Oh boy, you're going to get this in a moment. Ahab loves to see us divided. Divided by, be it political partisanship, by race, by ethnicity, which we, this church has always reminded me, you were in the forefront. We pastor a church in California, in Los Angeles, in Sacramento. It is 40% white, 40% black, 20% Latino, Asian, and Native American. It looks like heaven, but all we're doing is following the footsteps of this church and how you led the way in this amazing man of God. Because... And all we do in California is preach that there is no such thing as a white church or a black church or a brown church. There's only one church. It is the church of Jesus Christ. The spirit of Baal is alive and well. And as you are, are to be the conduit of historical contextualization, you know that Baal demands that false spirit, those that adhere, that acquiesce, that surrender to that false ideology, they demand the sacrifice of children. That spirit of Baal comes after our children and our children's children. We're seeing it. It's a reality. Hence, right now, never before have we ever seen a full assault on our children. There is an attack. The enemy is coming after our children. Hence, we can't have kumbaya Christianity anymore. Comfortable Christianity has to be put aside. Politically correct Christianity has to be put aside. Baal is coming after our children and our children's children. We need a church that rises up against the spirit of pedophilia and against the spirit of indoctrination. Attempting to sexualize our children. Are you kidding me? May not get invited here ever again, but if a 32-year-old comes to my six-year-old grandson to talk about sex in the name of Jesus and with my cousin Paco from the Bronx, we're going to make sure you don't mess. Get your hands off our children. Get your hands off our children. In the mighty name of Jesus, get your hands off our children. We need a church to rise up. So, so here's a deep seminary endorsed, biblically contextualized, Hebrew exegetically substantiated phrase. All the years of seminary for the following phrase. Here we go. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. There it is. Which means what? I don't care what you see on ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, and we don't discriminate here, Univision and Telemundo. <laughs> the most powerful spirit on the planet today is not what you see on Facebook. It's not what you see on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. The most powerful spirit on the planet is not, regardless of what they say, it's not Ahab. It's not Jezebel. It's not Baal. It is the year 2022. And still, the most powerful spirit on the planet is still the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. If you have that spirit, praise like you have them. If you have that... If you have that spirit, shout like you have them. If you have that spirit, worship like you have them. Pray like you have them. Preach like you have them. Prophesy like you have them. Live like you have them. For it is not by might nor by power, but by might.
Spirit saith the Lord. Where that spirit is present, there is power. I said there is power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, there is freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17. We are to be driven by that spirit. Galatians 5.16. Filled with that spirit. Ephesians 5.18. We are temple of that spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16. We are defined by that spirit. Romans 8.11. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. And we are anointed with that spirit. 1 John 2, 27, for ye have received the anointing, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you. Oh. Mm. And still the most powerful spirit, still the most powerful spirit. And if with that spirit, Jesus came out of the tomb, Romans 8, 11, you and I can come out of everything. It's that spirit. It is the mantle of the spirit. Are there any questions? It, I'm going to expedite the process here. It is, it, is the, it, is the, it is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. Somebody say drought, fire, and rain. That mantle, that mantle, that anointing, that impartation, that spiritual authority was upon the prophet. The prophet, the recipient of Jezebel's tweet. And hence, we have to juxtapose what's happening outside with what we carry. It's, it's the mantle. It's are you aware that he who is inside of you is greater than any hell that can appear in front of you? It's, but it's the, it is the mantle of drought, fire, and rain. I'll make it legal in 1 Kings 17.1. There's the prophet of the mantle who unleashed a drought. And in 1 Kings 18.38, he prayed down fire. In 1 Kings 18.41, he shouted, here comes the rain. So I don't want to be, I don't want to assume anything. If you've been through at least one drought in the past few years in your life, spiritually, relationally, financially, whatever it may be, at least one drought, raise one hand. You've been through a couple of droughts in your life. Look back in your life. You've been through a couple of moments where nothing was growing. Things were dry. Raise both hands. If you've been through so many droughts in your life, honestly speaking, you've lost count. Raise both hands and a foot. If you've been through so many droughts that if I, right now I go on my iPhone and if I Google your name, the algorithm will automatically take me to images of droughts. <laughs> well, it's drought. And by the way, the chronological order is drought, fire, and rain. That's 1 Kings 17 and 18. You can't bypass the process. The God of the process is the God of the outcome. Same God. People want to jump from drought to rain without ever going through the fire. You can't bypass the process. The fire season in your life is interesting. In my life, it is that the fire season and growing up in a spirit-empowered, charismatic church, we, in, in a Spanish church, they would sing song, manda fuego, senor, manda fuego, which means what? Senor, fire, oh God. You have no idea what you're Because the fire of God and Andre Crouch, who I love, Lord, senor, fire, Lord, senor. I love that. But the fire of God doesn't make you dance. It makes you get on your knees in repentance. The fire of God is a sanctifying fire. It's a purifying fire. It's when God removes things from inside of you. And even on many occasions, people, in your life that would have held back the fulfillment of your destiny and so forth. So if you've been through the drought and you've been through the fire, then if I were you, I'd put a smile on your face. I'm prophesying now the next thing coming your way. I said the next thing coming your way. The next thing coming your way. 
for you and your church and your ministry and your calling and your family and your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. The next thing coming your way is nothing less than abundant rain. If you believe it, somebody shout, here comes the rain. Tell your neighbor, here comes the rain. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8 Ezekiel 34 26 showers of blessings and little side note those that prayed with you in the drought deserve to dance with you in the rain it is the mantle number three of speaking truth with love 1 Kings 18 24 one of the most tragic verses in all of the Bible it is tragic if you read it it breaks you 1 Kings 18, 21 and 24, Elijah calls upon the people of Israel. Ahab shows up, the great confrontation on Mount Carmel. Elijah comes along and says, let's do this. Decide already, God's people. Which God will you serve? Pick a side, guys. Which God will you serve? Will you serve Ahab and Jezebel's God or the God of our fathers? One of the most difficult Verses in all of the Bible, and the people of Israel said nothing. It's not that they chose the other side. They wanted to be so politically correct. They didn't want to take sides to offend. They did, no, we'd rather just not get into this. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. I'll repeat that for the hearing impaired. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. You are what you tolerate. In your home, in your family, in your community, in your generation, in your nation, you are what you tolerate. There is no such thing as comfortable Christianity. Truth must never be sacrificed on the altar of political or cultural expediency. And for everyone who says, well, the church needs to be careful. We, we really just should focus. We should never, ever take sides. Oh, really? Because Jesus is coming and things are going to get darker. It doesn't really matter what we do, Pastor Sam. So stop talking about a man toward anointing and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. Because they're going to get, yeah. You need to reconcile your eschatology or your missiology. Which means what? We are all waiting for Jesus to come down. But while we are waiting for Jesus to come down, Jesus is waiting for his church to stand up. Somebody say, only God. This mantle of the spirit, this mantle of drought, fire, and rain is the mantle of speaking truth with love and truth and love. If all you do is love, if all we do is speak about love, then we're a bunch of California hippies. If all we do is speak truth, then we're mathematicians. The moment we speak truth with love, in love, we change the world with the power of the gospel of Christ. <laughs> Only God can make something out of nothing. That's the truth, Genesis 1.1. Only God can make a way where there is no way, Isaiah 43.19. Only God can restore like the damage never happened, Luke 22.51. Only God, there are things that... Let me give you a story real quick. Let me reference this. Do you have the picture there, Jason? Did they put it up? A few years ago, I was here in 2014. In 2017, first of all, digress here a bit. Uh, by the grace of God alone and only by the grace of God, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. 
I've had the privilege of advising three different presidents, only because it's God ordained. As a matter of fact, the story is when I was 14 years old, actually 13, in an Assemblies of God church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was, I was just minding my own business. My parents are not preachers or pastors. They raised me up in the church. My mom obligated me to go to church. I didn't have a choice. Even when I was 12, 13, if, I mean, if she, she made, she obligated me, right? That would be illegal, traumatic. If, if, imagine a Generation Z being forced to, they would write pages. You would be, I mean, I mean, there would be books about this and movies and, and a couple of documentaries and definitely a bunch of Instagram posts um, and just the pain, the pain and the trauma. So my mom, my mom made me go to church and she did. And I, I, was a, I was a skeptic because I grew up with a strong inclination for mathematics, still believe that calculus is the language of God. So I, just, I was a math nerd. I studied here at Penn State University for computer engineering. I mean, my mind was very, graduated from Lehigh University. My mind was very, you know, just mathematically inclined. So I doubted what I saw in the church, especially a spirit-empowered church, a Pentecostal church, people getting slain, speaking in tongues. I went, you got to be kidding me. People are crazy. I mean, it's just not, this is exuberance. This is Elmer Gentry. It's, you know, is that whole Freud? This is just, just people, just mass hysteria, all of that. So I'm in the church one day. This guy comes in. His name is Bernie Gallow. And Bernie comes in there. He's a Teen Challenge Choir Director from here, Reedersburg, Pennsylvania. He comes in, and Bernie stops, and he starts. And we first time in our church, Bernie and the Teen Challenge Choir. This is the early 1980s. And he's going, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. He stops midstream and goes, Holy Spirit. The Lord says there is a Sammy in the audience. A Sammy. By the way, if you go to a Latino church and you say God has a word for Jose or Maria, <laughs> you're always going to hit it. <laughs> always. God has a word. There's a Jose in the audience. Ahí está el muchacho. Aquí está el muchacho. So, just for the emerging prophets out there, you have to make sure you know. Make sure you don't strike out there, buddy. Go get him, Dutch. All right. <laughs> so the guy goes, Sammy. I'm the only Sammy. The only other Samuel is my dad, Samuel. Sammy. So, that, and no joke, I'm, I'm in the back, and Sammy, and all of a sudden, I'm going like, oh, snap. He goes, God says there's a Sammy here, a young, young, young boy, young man, Sammy. Very specific. So the church, really introverted, said, ahí está el muchacho. <sighs> Oh, Hispanic people crazy. <laughs> My pastor calls me out, Pastor Lugo. Comes over, he goes, Sammy, come on, this is you. So I'm walking up in front of the whole church. First of all, traumatic. I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm going, if that rapture stuff, that guy preaches is legit, I pray it happens right now. <laughs> so I'm walking up, the guy comes up and says, and the Lord says, everything I'm doing, everything I've done was prophesied. Laid out. And I mean detailed. It wasn't generic. It wasn't, and God says, I will use you. <laughs> or God says, you will be blessed. <laughs> oh, it was specific. From the preaching to the ministry, to the nation, to the conferences, to the book, everything. All of a sudden, this is the way the guy concludes. And the Lord said, you will be praying over presidents of the United States of America. I'm going, what? Are you kidding me? Long story short, that's how I ended up advising three different presidents. That's it. The, there was a word of the Lord in an environment that was saturated. Others heard it. There was a young lady over there that, that heard the whole thing, and she, she was a little bit older than I, and she heard it, and she went, if that's true, I'm going to wait for that boy to grow up. That's my wife of 32 years. 
when, when President o Obama was elected in 2008, I, I had the privilege of participating in his in inauguration ceremony at St. John's Episcopal Church. Myself, Yolanda Adams, T.D. Jakes, Rick Warren, Charles Blake. Then, then all these years later, I get a call and, and the, the world had changed in, in, in respect to every aspect that had changed. And I get a call and I'm, I'm driving up from a Puerto Rican restaurant in San Francisco over to Sacramento with my wife. I get a call from the Bluetooth. We're looking for Reverend Rodriguez. It was an unknown number. I usually ignore it because it's probably the IRS, so I ignore it. <laughs> but on that occasion, something Holy Spirit told me, pick up the call. So I picked up the call, and the person said, we're calling you from the, the Senate Inaugural Committee, a president's transition team. The president-elect would like you to participate in the inauguration. And I'm looking at my wife, and I'm thinking, it's a joke. I'm thinking, it is my cousin Paco from the Bronx. And, is that you, Paco? Is that you? Come on, man. That's not funny. But it wasn't cousin of cousin, it was from DC. Reverend Rodriguez. So I asked, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I'm, I'm dry. And I'm, I'm blown away. I'm going, so what would you like me to do? And the person said, well, we would like you to participate in the inauguration in January. I go like, yeah, what would you like me to do though? And the person went, we would like you to participate in the inauguration. So I went like, so would you like me to pray? The person says, sure. So I went, would you like me to read scripture? Why not? As a good preacher, I was going to say, would you like me to raise the offering? <laughs> but I didn't say that. So, so I'm just trying to get to, so then finally he, got, he, got, he, he understood like, all right, son, it's the big stage. There's 1.1 billion people that will be watching. Over a billion people around the world watch the inauguration. So that's the big one. We want you to participate. What a, and God, wonderful. So I fit, I look, we wrapped up, gave me the details. DOJ, you have to be, you know, sequestered, Department of Justice, FBI. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he went, all right, let me send you the details. And I went, well, hold up. He went, hold up. I went, yep. Well, what do you need, son? I went, I need some time to pray. Pray? He went, you need to pray about this? I went, yes, sir. Silent, awkward. Mm. How much time do you need to pray, son? I'm randomly, I go, three weeks. You need three weeks to pray about this. Yes, sir. Awkward silence. Comes back and says, okay. I'll call you back in three weeks, I guess. I go, thank you. He goes, no, thank you. Bloop. Look at my wife. She's no longer looking at me. She's looking the other way. I go, honey, call our intercessors, and let's just, I need, I need to hear from God. She, she, she turns around. She looks at me and says, what are you doing? I go, we are going to pray. She went, what are you doing? I go, we're in a good to pray. To pray for what? To see if God wants me to do this. The reason why I hesitated is because I just referenced previously, our church is multi-ethnically diverse. And in my mind in California, I'm thinking if I do this in light of the election, the whole division, the, the country has changed in 10 years. If I do this, uh, even though I did it before for the other party, if I do this, I may lose a segment of my church. That means budget cuts. Who do I lay off? I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm thinking, like, what happens next? So I looked at her, and she looked at me and said, you're praying to see if it's God's will? I went, yes, ma'am. She went, I was there. I go, you were where? She goes, I was there when you were 13 years old in Allentown. 
when God said you were going to pray over presidents, she went, you don't need to pray if it's God's will. You need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the right words when you get on that stage and speak before a billion people around the world. This is about the mantle of speaking truth with love. So we go up here. It's the day, I don't, Jason, I don't know if they have the wide picture, the wide lens. You have me here. You have Obama here. You have Trump here. Biden is here. The Clintons. Before I got up on that podium, I was hiding behind the bushes. <laughs> President Bush. <laughs> so I'm not making it up. You got to look it up at YouTube. So... President Bush is here. I was right behind President Bush. So right before I go up, by the way, God is my witness. Right before I go up, I was sequestered the night before I hadn't slept. It was the first time uh, a, a Latino evangelical, first time somebody who spoke in tongues did this because I spoke before Paula. First time, there was a bunch of first time a Starbucks addict. I mean, a first time for a bunch of stuff. As they so there's the Wylands. But I'm, I'm, I come here before I get up there. I'm seated behind the bushes and I get a text message from my daughter, Lauren, my youngest. And, and, it, and she's never disrespected me. That's my baby girl. And my baby girl, this is her text. I'm about to go up. Dad, shut your mouth. I'm thinking spiritual warfare. <laughs> because you're, 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 it's just like one of your biggest moments, God ordained, but your kids never, I, I, in my mind, I start rebuking, devil, you're a liar. Right before I go up, Dad, shut your mouth. I text her back and go, pardon me? She says, Dad, you're on Fox News. Your mouth is completely open right now. I can see the back of your mouth. It seemed that I was falling asleep and I opened up my mouth and the camera caught me and I... So right before, they're about to call me up. 48 hours before that day, 48 hours, uh, a reporter from a famous magazine whose name everyone here would recognize was a friend back then. She, she said, Sam, come here. Tell me you're not going to do this. It's about the mantle now. What? Tell me you're not going to do this, Sam. You can't. I go, I did it before for the other guy. I'm a lamb's agenda guy. I have biblical values. I never sacrifice them. But, but what? She went, no, if you do this one, the country, both parties love you. You're both on, you're one of the few people both on CNN and Fox. People, they like, people like you across the aisle. You do this, you're done. You're going to be pigeonholed in one certain aisle. I go, I did it before. She, yeah, they're not going to understand. Don't do it. I went, I'm doing it. She went, all right, if you're going to do it, promise me this. Promise me you're not going to mention the name. She said, Sam, please tell me. Because for 11 years, there was an unwritten agreement made. This would be year number 12, where a certain name was not mentioned from that podium. That if we would pray or read scripture, we would use the terms God, love, faith, but never the name. The name was taboo. 11 years going on year number 12, please don't ruin it. Don't mention the name. Don't make... Don't mention the name. Before I got up there, I got the messages. We were working with production in Hollywood of a number of projects. <laughs> Pastor Sam, be eclectic, be generic. Don't blow it. Don't become a freak. Don't be a fundamentalist. 
Don't, don't blow it. You're the first guy going up there after the Catholic Cardinal from New York. Don't say the name. So the Catholic Cardinal did not mention the name. And I'm coming up, reached the podium, said hello to Bush. Looked and read from Matthew 5. And all of a sudden, I wrapped up Matthew 5, read it, and then closing up, all of a sudden, the mantle fell on me. The Holy Spirit said, Sam, do it. I'm going to be honest. This is called being authentic. I didn't want to do it. Because, it, it, I was, because there was stuff that was promised that you, you have no idea. And living in California is not like living in Pennsylvania. It's a different world. My flesh didn't want to do it. I'm thinking, you know, I even justified it. If I don't do it, I say like, love, God, win in the name of my God. And just make it generic. God will still bless me. And, you, and, and the Holy Spirit said, do it. Do it. So I looked at the cameras. The presidents were here. Supreme Court was here. Congress was here. Crowd was here. And I said, and I make this prayerful declaration, respectfully. I was even told, BBC, Muslim nations around the world, nations that are secular, they're all gonna be airing this live. You don't wanna offend other people. And I did not do it to offend, God knows. I had, the mantle fell upon me. And the Holy Spirit said, do it. So I looked. And I said, respectfully, all of this is declared in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. Look it up on YouTube. The president said, amen. The members of Congress said, amen. The crowd exploded and said, he said, Jesus, amen. From all around the world, I got text messages from London, from Malaysia, from Australia. Dude, you're crazy. They heard Jesus and it was real time. They couldn't censor it. So in nations that have never heard that name in a... the name they heard the name they heard the name why did everybody react like that there is still power in the name of Jesus somebody shout like you know it say the name lift up your hands say the name lift up your voice say the name lift up your Say the name. Nothing like that name. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Stand with me. You're already standing. I got to show you this. Everything shaped right there. Everything shifted in my life. The mantle. All Jezebel's tweets beforehand. You, you have no idea the threat. Everything we experienced before that day, Jezebel's tweet, but the mantle was greater than the tweet. She said in 24 hours, 
by this time tomorrow, you will be dead. She prophesied. <laughs> Sounded like a prophecy. Even had a timestamp on it. 24 hours, you will die. Full disclosure, 24 hours passed. Before I tell you what happened there, I got it. I just need you to logically, as you stand with me, can you figure this out with me for a second, please? Elijah with the mantle prays for a drought, and a drought takes place. Elijah with that mantle, he prays for fire. Fire comes out. Woo, fuego, tri-tip, barbecue, go. With that mantle, rain, servant, go up seven times, little small hand, oh, cloud, boom, 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 oh. So this guy's batting three for three. All of a sudden, he gets to Jezebel's tweet. Wouldn't you assume that if you were Elijah and God just showed up on three different massive occasions for three different big things, and all of a sudden, a hater shows up and threatens you, wouldn't you assume you would go like, oh, Jezebel, whatever? Right? Wouldn't you assume? Like, God, drought, fire, rain, boom. I even ran against a Maserati and I got there first. But he didn't. He freaked out. He lost it. He literally abandoned ministry, ends up under a solitary broom tree, subsequently ends up on a cave from the side of a mountain where do your biblical due diligence. God shows up, looks at him and says, Elijah, quote, what are you doing here? Hey guys, when God asks what you're doing there, you're lost. <laughs> What happened? Here it is. Are you ready? The battle was between your mind and your mantle. The true battle was between your mind and your mantle. The true battle was between your memories and your imagination. The battle was between the thoughts that run through your head and the calling of God upon your life. The true battle was between anxiety and anointing, between drama and destiny. But how many know the battle has already been won? First Corinthians 15, 57, Christ is your victory, therefore you will not be moved. You renew this mind daily, taking every thought into captivity. Colossians 2, 15, he publicly made a spectacle out of all the powers and principalities of darkness. He did this on the cross. We live in the finished work of Christ. 24 hours passed, Elijah did not die. A week passed, Elijah did not die. A month passed, Elijah did not die. She said in 24 hours, a year passed, he did not die. What if I tell you a decade passed, he did not die? What if I tell you a hundred years passed, Elijah did not die? What if I tell you a thousand years passed? You're not getting this, but you will. Elijah did not die. What if I tell you it's been approximately 2,800 years since Jezebel's tweet? And the man has yet to die. You missed it. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 11. Elijah and Elisha are walking together when a chariot of fire separates them. A whirlwind takes him up. The Bible says he never dies. And a matter of fact, the next time we see Elijah, he's taking a selfie with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
Matthew 17 2 what does that mean it doesn't matter what hell has declared upon you your family your children your children's children your community your generation when heaven starts it hell cannot stop it I need you to raise your hands and repeat after me everything without exception everything the enemy has declared upon my life upon my children my children's children my generation the opposite will take place somebody shout like you actually believe what you just said Do you know what do you know what that means get ready our prodigal sons and daughters are coming back home it means what it means this will not be the last generation of believers it means that God is that God is not done with America it means it, it's the opposite the study from was six months ago 36% of all believers, all church attendees will never come back to church. It means the opposite. We are about to see more people saved than ever before in American history. How many believe that? No, how many truly believe? We are about to see more people saved, more people delivered. We are about to see healings and signs and wonders and miracles like we've never seen before. Can you lift up your hands and say the opposite will take place? I don't know if you got that. She said he will die in 24 hours and God said, you know what? He's never going to die. He's ne what? He's never going to die. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Because when your integrity is more important than your influence, nothing can stop you. When you are driven by anointing rather than ambition, nothing can stop you. When your hunger for righteousness is greater than your fear of criticism, nothing can stop you. And when your praise is louder than your pain, I said when your praise speaks louder than your pain, when your praise speaks louder than your pain nothing can stop you somebody shout like you know that there's a mantle i am done i'm going to pass over the baton i'm going to call someone out if you want if just those that really when Elijah placed a mantle on Elisha who was pushing the plow, the plow of perseverance will always lead to the mantle of promotion. Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary of doing what is right. At the appropriate time and God's appointed time, you will reap a harvest of blessings with the caveat if you do not give up. Oh, that plow of perseverance will always lead to the mantle of promotion. But when he placed it, he never, the Bible never says Elijah transferred over to Elisha his fear his anxiety, his depression. He transferred over his mantle. Your children will not inherit your sins. 
your children and your children's children and your children's children's children will inherit your mantle and your blessings. Somebody prays like you actually believe what you just heard. Close your eyes for a second. Lift up your hands. With, with great due deference, I'm just gonna, I just sense a pull in my spirit for everyone here who has recently read a Jezebelian tweet, be it one that was externally scripted or one that was in, internally induced. If you're saying, Pastor Sam, I need a fresh infusion of this mantle, 1 John 2, 27. That anointing that you referenced before, the Spirit of God, the very presence of God, fully activated. If you say, Pastor Sam, I will not tolerate nor permit Ahab, Jezebel, or Baal to occupy any territory in my generation. When the Elijahs and the Elishas rise up, Jezebel, Ahab, and Baal, will be brought down. And we're about to see this. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. If you just want to come, just receive a fresh impartation, a fresh infusion of the Spirit of God. In every sphere, we're about to see the glory of God. Things are happening. David, things are happening that are just extraordinary. There's stuff happening. And I'm talking about at, at, the, at the level, like I'm no hype, no joke, completely verifiable, 100% authenticated. The space station, Bishop, in the space station, one of the equations that was limited, a, a, a dynamic programming component of the space station that would have cost $60 million. One, one of the engineers working, they were stuck. They had a conundrum, a big conundrum, the space station. And one of the engineers happens to be one of our people, meaning a Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-empowered presence people so they had this conundrum and the guy <laughs> there, there was no solution so he goes to sleep at night and says god what do we do here he gets a dream in the dream there's a mathematical equation he has never heard seen before by anyone he gets up from the dream he writes it down but if you know anything about mathematics or calculus or equations you have to get to the place you have to prove your work how you got there. All he has is one conclusive statement. Goes back to NASA, shows them the statement. The other engineers hug around and go like, oh, this may very well be the answer. This looks like it will work. His boss has said, but where's the background? How did you get it? How did you get to that point? And all of a sudden, the only thing he can say is, you're not gonna believe it. <laughs> There was skepticism in the room. They tested the equation. It was exactly, exactly the only answer to the problem, saving them $60 million. One of the top guys said, this is mystical, but it works. I'm telling you, there is stuff happening in the heavenly, supernaturally speaking. Ooh, 
I mean, we're talking about that. You are about to see what we've never seen before. Why do you think the pushback? We are about to see the glory of the risen Christ. Signs, wonders, visions, impartation. The, the creation of content that will change the world. Oh, you, you need to understand this. The, the, the coders and those that are writing programming. The, the algorithm of the next generation. There are things happening. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We, the next thing to fill the nations will be the glory of the risen Christ. We're about to see things. So if that's you on the count of three, if you're ready for your mantle, come out of your seat and join me. One, two, three, run. Come up here. Go, 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 go.